Alan's always trying to get back into the womb. <laughs> no, let's not psychoanalyze this, Jeff. Oh my gosh. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are Irenicast. I'm Jeff. It's your brother, Alan. I'm Bonnie. This is Rajiv. On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we bring to you our perspectives on theology and culture from a post-evangelical lens. Thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week, unfortunately, Casey is on assignment, and we are going to be revisiting an old episode. Uh, For those of you that may be new to the show or only have listened in the last maybe even just 40 shows. Uh, we had a regular co-host. It was myself, it was Alan, and it was the the much-beloved Mel, a.k.a. Mona, who was part of the show. And back on episode 73, uh, Alan was on assignment that week, and Mona at the time and I were talking about forgiveness. And with a new set of hosts that we have on the show, it might be a good time for us to start revisiting some of those conversations and bring in new perspectives from people that have uh, entered into the Irenosphere. I like that. The Irenosphere. Uh, that's what we're going nice. to call it. I coined it. It's it. I, I have too was many. Was that really... Was that really 40 episodes ago? No, that was way more than 40 episodes. I'm saying for people that have been with us for the last uh, 40 episodes or so would not know who Mona is because oh my goodness. we're on – this will be like 145 or something. So we're all different than yes. way back then. We're all different. I I'm, feel- the, I'm the original OG from episode 73 because no one else <laughs> on this show was on that episode. So. I was on a break. Uh, Alan was on a break and yeah. So – so we're going to revisit this idea or this idea. I guess it's an idea concept, depending upon how good our practice is of forgiveness. And for our segment, we're going to be doing uh, just a simple segment, but a good one called Staff Picks. For those of you that are old enough, you may remember the the shelf in your local video store where the, the video staff, their one privilege was to be able to recommend movies that they enjoyed. So we're going to be doing that, not necessarily movies, but anything. Uh, Do you ever see one of those shelves and you think, I used to like that person? And now I see their pics, and I no longer like that person. Totally. I have literally stopped going to a video store because most of the pics I didn't like, and I was like, this place is not worth it. And I started going <laughs> I somewhere know. else. <laughs> How that bias like creeps up like, oh, you're oh, one man. of those people. For those of you that are still listening after us talking about a video <laughs> store. <laughs> there was this place a long time ago in a galaxy far away. Where yes. you would actually the Irenosphere. Walk around. The Irenosphere. Please. Weird fact. Uh, I heard that Blockbuster could have done the Netflix thing and gone like digital and, and mail at home stuff. But the CEO said they will always, people will always want to see each other at the video store. So we're not heading that direction. And they, they missed the train. Yeah. They just did. like IBM's kind of trashed Windows when Bill Gates came in. Presented it to them. Please forgive us for derailing the conversation <laughs> yes, before we you. start the conversation please, on please, forgiveness. Right. Please forgive us. <laughs> See, oh we're, we're opening up an invitation for all of you listening to forgive us right away, to enter into the right mind frame. Isn't of, that so sweet? It is so sweet. It's generous of us. It's uh, Anyway, okay. This is ridiculous. Let's move on. Uh, so let, let's talk about forgiveness. So in the first conversation that that Mona and I had, or Mel and I had, um, we uh, we talked about a lot of the personal dynamics of forgiveness, especially related around reconciliation and forgiveness. And the conclusion, and for those of you that listen to that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but our conversation really was mostly around the idea that forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing, and that you can have forgiveness without any kind of reconciliation or a relationship with the person who wronged you. Uh, we we mainly kept the, the personal dynamic, even though we did mention some systemic things and all that kind of stuff. But uh, obviously, it's forgiveness. So there's a, a wide path in terms of things that we can discuss. So you all uh, listen to this episode. So kind of w- what direction do you feel like we could take this conversation that you think is applicable to, to us today and, and adds on that. And then we will put the show note in the show notes, a link to that previous conversation. If you are uh, so uh, inclined to listen to that. So I recently did an ask anything Sunday in my church and sometimes they go great. Sometimes not so great, but I think it's really cool, like once every nine months to just open up the floor to questions that people have, not like we have the answers as ministers or something, but the conversations and the questions themselves are sacred. One of the questions that came up was, 
why is forgiveness so hard? And I think that for me, this conversation is worth having multiple times and from different perspectives because it, it is such a difficult thing. And for me, living openly and seeing people as they are and holding other people in joy in this kind of open-handed way is a serious task. And it will take literally everything that you throw at it. And for me, forgiveness is one of those tools that helps me just regard people with an openness. And there's a freedom in embracing that, that I think your episode way back in with Mona addressed pretty well. And I think there are other dimensions too, especially for me as a Christian, like spiritual dimensions that are probably deeper than just the idea of like psychological healing for myself, which is really important. But I want to interact with the with the world in such a way that is really open. And that's a hard thing to do. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. How do you put forgiveness and openness together? Well, it's really easy to shut myself off when I feel I've been wronged or I know I've been wronged. It's really easy to just shut that down forever and to not encounter people or to avoid people or to avoid situations. But if I want to see people for like who they are, who they really are, I'm not going to think better of them than they are. And I'm not going to think worse of them. I'll just see them as they are. And if I can respond with forgiveness, especially to people who are seeking it, it means I can still have like an open hand toward that person, even in like a metaphorical sense. And to me, that like builds a muscle throughout my life that that's how I want to live. Because there are other options. I mean, you, we, I could live in a very vengeful, hateful, re- retributive kind of existence where I feel like I need to punish other people or I have to set things right in the universe and I have to use my power to do that. I think especially for me and my like social location, it's much more healthy for me to not do that. It's not a moral thing. It's like a, a calling in my life, I guess. I want to be a part of a universe that leans that way. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I feel like that's that's the real work of life, you know? Maybe it would be helpful if we all said what we mean when we say forgiveness, because I think we're going to really quickly get down uh, a hole of, you know, what do you mean? Like, what is forgiveness? And we may even all have very different definitions on what forgiveness is. Okay. For me, it's the opposite of vengeance. It's like, I am not going to like, even if I'm justified, I am not going to take something in response to like someone else, uh, someone else's evil. So where's justice in that? See, I don't believe in just a just universe. I believe in like more than that. I don't want to get on like the biblical studies soapbox. Yes, but you do. That's where a lot of my stuff comes from. Huh? Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, that's Go my there. background. Come on there. I just shoved it by your feet. Step okay, up. fine. Step up. <laughs> um, throughout, throughout the gospels and the pastoral epistles, you hear this like deeper spiritual reality reiterated both by like the apostle Paul uh, in some of his letters and by Jesus in his teachings that say that there's this like deeper spiritual dynamic going on when you forgive people. It's not just about your own health. It's not just about you being a magnanimous person who loves everybody, but there's this real sense that like you are a forgiven human being. And yes, I've like, reorganized what I think about sin or evil or things that I've been given in my tradition, but I still believe it's important to be, I still believe it's important for me to believe in grace and to believe that God does have an open hand toward me. Even when I do make mistakes, even when I don't do what I know I should do, that there still is this second opportunity at being a whole healthy human being in relationship with God and in the world. And I believe God calls me into that through Jesus, through the pastoral epistles, through my friends. The dynamic is if you've been forgiven, if God is looking at you in love and willing to forgive, all you can do to respond to that is do it for others. So whenever you forgive someone else, you're participating in this like deeper magic in the world. And I, f- I feel like that frees me up to forgive people whether they want it or not or deserve it or not. And and I think forgiveness is uh, relational, conditional. So I, I guess I don't think of it in the unconditional way maybe that you do, Alan. I, th- I think it's part of the 
trajectory, trajectory is not the right word, maybe spiral of relationship repair. And so when Jesus talks about forgiveness, it's always a condition. Forgive as God forgave you. Forgive. If someone comes and asks for forgiveness, forgive. There's always some other like condition around it. Right. The the context of, of some of that, especially like the famous forgive people 70 times seven, the context of that is mutual accountability. If you have a problem with someone, go to them and speak to them directly. But you're right. There's other things surrounding that in th- throughout the these texts that I like mention. But I think that theme of God has forgiven you, you can forgive others. I think that that's too easily dismissed when it comes to like I don't know how to explain it, but I do think it's something bigger. And I think it can be bigger than just contextual. It like, it's almost world making for me. I do believe God has forgiven me. Like to me, that's a real, that's a real thing for all sorts of things that I may or may not know that I need that for, but I do know I need grace and that like reorients the rest of my life, whether, whether there's conditionality or not. And I think that's like magical. I've I've seen people who have done that throughout history, and that's transformative for the whole world in my mind. I don't know because because I'm thinking like the, the the wording that you're using in terms of like I know I'm forgiven. Like there's a whole another world and conditions that are connected to that. Mm-hmm. Like of your specific you of your specific wrongdoings of your very existence. Like what do you need to be forgiven of, and okay, why? Not my existence. Why? That's like... well, I know, but I, but you see what I'm saying? Like, but those are questions right. that are connected to obviously our background, but they're also connected to very people's real reality in in faith communities and religious circles. And I think that to me, like to me, I have a hard time delineating. Like, what what's the difference between like the spiritual and the psychological? Like, I, I'm I'm not a mystic. I'm I'm just not. I'm I'm a I guess a materialist if we want to put a word on it. And things can feel mystical, but ultimately it's just you know whatever. Uh, but I think that when we use words like I, I'm forgiven by God, like I I'm I ask myself now, like why do I need to be forgiven by God? I didn't do anything to God. Everything that's been done to me, if there is a God, if there is that whatever that presence, it was done to me. So like, what could I possibly do to God? to need forgiveness for. I think it's God's world. Not, it's not just to God, like whatever you've done to other people. And that's again, the new Testament, Jesus, whatever you do to these people you've done to me, that's what God says. But, right? but the, it, but the it, language, the that's what, that's Jesus, what God says, or that's what someone said. God said, right. Uh, that's what Jesus told in a parable. If you believe Jesus is God, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> I know. I, know. But no, just... I, I think for me, you, then you have to define sin and all that stuff. For me, it's just not doing the good, you know, you ought to do that's from James. I feel like that's a really good working definition of, of sin for me. I know that I need to live responsibly toward other people and toward this planet. And like, even if I can't necessarily put my finger on exactly what sin is, I don't think it's my existence. Maybe I did at one point, Jeff. <laughs> I did at anymore. one point. I'll be honest. I, that's, right. I thought exactly that. Yeah. You're born in sin and stuff. Like I don't, be- I don't believe in original sin, but I do believe like God, because we are relational beings, there's no way for God to interact with us. That's not relational. You know, like that, if, if God, is going to connect with us in some way, it's going to be in a way that we know, and that's relationship. And even that, there's this push and pull and, like, you know, messiness that requires grace to be working and involved in that. Yeah, the the hard part about this, and, you know, I'm kind of feeling for our listeners at this point because there's there's such a spectrum of perspectives of us usually. And and normally that's like, oh, that's so refreshing. Um, with this thing, though, forgiveness, it's so personal that having a spectrum can be a little maybe destabilizing and frustrating. So and I know I'm going to contribute to that uh, right now, but forgiveness is, oh, my God, for for me individually, like in my personhood, it feels like a very intensely relational concept. However, I'm also somebody that hasn't suffered a great deal of evil perpetrated on me and my personhood. And so then I I think about maybe the more popular, non-spiritual idea, therapeutic idea of forgiveness, which is highly individual. It only requires the person who has been harmed to say, you know what? 
I'm not letting that person or that incident have continued control over me. And I think that's a really powerful dynamic when it comes to uh, personal healing, personal progress, and in the therapeutic setting is is critical. So I, I'm, I'm wondering if part of the dilemma here is we're using a single word, forgive, forgiveness, forgiving, to mean two very different things. It, we're, we're using it to mean an individual release in order to pursue healing, to func- continue to function somewhat normally in society, to get past an evil done to oneself. And we're also talking about, we're using that same word to talk about intensely relational uh, dynamics, which requires some repentance, um, maybe some accountability, even penance, like how do I pay back for this evil that I've done? I want to honor the power of the concept, and I also want to honor everyone involved in the conversation that we may have very different perspectives on this. So um, as we're talking, at least as I'm going to talk, I'm going to try to frame them as individualized, highly personal forgiveness, and then relational, societal, or communal forgiveness, because I think they're similar but kind of different. Does that make sense? Yeah. I appreciate you talking about this spectrum of ideas. I'm fully aware that I might be the only person on the podcast who sees God in personal terms. And that maybe God doesn't – like, it's a good question. Does God forgive you? Is that even an operational thing? Like, should we only talk about the context that you've just laid out? Or should there be, like, a divine kind of equation at work? Oh, I would say the relational includes the divine. I think of God in personal terms, too. But I think differently than you do, Alan. And, Raj, thank you for delineating the the spectrum. I guess this is like a smorgasbord of forgiveness. And um, hopefully folks can maybe pick and choose along the way something that might resonate that they'd like to think about as they go forward. Alan, I hear you say, you know, does God forgive us? You know, I feel forgiven. Depending on how you see God's action in the world, I wonder sometimes, do we need to forgive God? This idea of relationship, forgiveness as, as maybe relational repair of some kind or having a part to play in relationship repair. I know in my personal faith journey, I have been pissed off at God. And I have looked at the world and I have seen uh, evil perpetrated, and I've blamed God for that. And so part of my work, my spiritual work, has been not only to completely reimagine God, but also to forgive God for some of the evil that is alive in the world. That's so interesting. Now my brain is like firing at a thousand miles per hour. Well, that's why I think yeah. when we, that's we, really cool. When we speak of, of forgiveness, my definition has always been like, it's, it's a purely individual thing. Like forgiveness, the concept is purely for my, from my perspective is just purely your deal. Like no one can tell you how to forgive because all for me, and I, I mentioned this in the, the original episode, but for me, uh, forgiveness is really just how do you, how do you create a space for yourself to continue to move forward when bad things happen to you? small or big. And that that's that's it when it comes to forgiveness. It's your personal work to try to figure that out. And then there's things connected to it, reconciliation, justice, like all the other ways that it manifests as you go through. But to me, that's that's as simple. So to, to assign like forgiveness to God or or if and if I'm saying like, Bonnie, what you're saying is I, I get what you're saying. And I agree, like there are times where I have to forgive God, but it's not because I feel like God is uh, and I've shared this before, I feel less and less of God as a person and more of like a force or reality or whatever. Um, but it's just, it's when I say I need to forgive God, I'm saying I need to create space in my head, in my heart, in my spirit, whatever, to to move forward and not be stuck and not relive whatever that wrong was. And that to me, that's all forgiveness is. It's just individual personal work. I love that like we're we're so different. You said you're not a mystic, which is true cuz like that's putting the heart before the or the cart before the horse for me. Forgiveness is this giant like rushing huge river of grace that is like this divine flowing action that you're just stepping into a whole history of it. Right. And, and I I think labeling that. that way or narrative forgiveness is limiting that way because I think forgiveness is a narrow thing. 
Yeah. And I, I would say I would completely delink Grace, but maybe let's save that for a little bit later. Yeah, good call. In, in, <laughs> in the conversation. But Jeff, what you're talking about. So I want to preface this thought that it, this is coming from a, a place of, of high sensitivity. Uh, it, it, it's going to potentially come across as callous to people that have been hurt. Forgiveness can sometimes be too individualistic in in that, but I believe it should be. So if you've suffered, and it doesn't matter what the event was, it could be a harsh word for the thousandth time that just broke something inside that that's been you've been trying to hold together, and this person whose opinion you value, a parent, a significant person in your life, says that thing one more time, and it just is crushing. Um, you may never be able to re-enter a relationship. It's just not going to happen. It could be something incredibly vile. You may never be able to re-enter. So the individualistic forgiveness is essential. We need to hold on to that for our own health and well-being. But what I worry about is that we, in a highly individualistic society and culture, will use that as an excuse to keep from re-engaging with people where there's discomfort. Right. But what I say that that's personal work, like who are we to tell people that they're doing that? No, I agree. But like, like for me, it's like there's people I disagree with politically. I think Trump is an evil force in the universe. I think he now has power that he shouldn't have. Um, so people that want to continue loving and supporting him without I'm having a hard time staying in relationship with people that are throwing their support behind someone who I think will be marked by history. So what do, how do I deal with that? So is it like, you know what, I'm going to forgive their ignorance, sort of like Jesus did on the cross, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. And now I'm dead to them, they're dead to me. The universe moves on. Um, and and I, I guess I want to be less willing to go to that individual siloed act of forgiveness just to prevent some discomfort on my part in trying to relate with people who may think differently or maybe have said or done things to me that were were hurtful as a way to sort of justify my avoidance of them. Does that make sense? No, that makes total sense. And and I, I agree 100 percent with that. I just think that that that's not forgiveness. Like to me, it's to me, like, again, that that strict definition of forgiveness is how do you healthily move through that and avoiding doing that by using forgiveness is not forgiveness. Like if, if we're going to put but that's what I'm saying. And that's why this is so messy, because it's so highly individualistic. It looks differently for every single person, depending upon the severity of what's happened to them. I know someone who suffered a tragic loss, a tragic loss. And was told in church over and over again, you need to forgive, you need to forgive, you need to forgive, you need to forgive. And it was ridiculous because there was no definition put on what forgiveness is. There was no even trying to understand the difficulty that this person was going through, through the weight of the tragedy that they suffered. And it's a lifelong thing. And to me, when we when we use a forgiveness, also what we do is we put it like a destination mark on it. Like you get to this place of forgiveness and then you move on. It's in the past. But that's not true either. Like it's this lifelong process of just figuring out – maybe that's all forgiveness is, is you just figure out the best way for you to deal with crappy things that happen to you, whether small or big. But isn't that just coping? Yeah. That's why maybe the forgiveness I, needs to be retired as a word because it's got so much baggage. To I said this early on in the podcast that we should not use baggage. we should not use the word sin any longer because I think of all the baggage. I think it should be a word that is done with. In fact, I don't think I've used it since then. And I'm I'm gonna put I'm gonna throw I'm I'm canceling forgiveness. I'm throwing forgiveness. <laughs> I'm throwing forgiveness in that category. That's a very Uh-oh. Jeff Manildi thing to do. I'm the, just spectrum, the spectrum just exploded on one end. I have I have canceled sin and I have canceled forgiveness. This. <laughs> so be it. It is finished. Okay, so oh the God. theologian in me is like, no, 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 no. We can't live in a world without a concept of sin and forgiveness. Like right. it's it no, I agree, but so we, much of our experience. But we take the word away. We can have the concept, but I, I'm saying that those words do damage to the concept that they represent. The words will always live underneath because they've existed. Mm. They've been born. They're they, we are engaging them. So I it, Jeff's it's, killing them. He's not giving them safe harbor. <laughs> I'm I'm not acknowledging them. I don't forgive them. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think we need to reform them. But I, I think it's so interesting because, like, Jeff, I resonate so deeply with, like, your humanistic – you said materialistic. I'm going to say humanistic. But, of course like, you are. Of course you're going to relabel your, my label. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like, that's such a big part because, like, reading Kurt Vonnegut and reading some of the humanistic authors has, like, formed who I am. It's a huge part of my spirituality. I can step into that mode so well and look at the, the world through the eyes of science. And like meaning making as a human being and not requiring an outside thing. So like I'm there for all of that. I love all of it. But at the same time, I have this giant mystic part of me that's like, no, there is this other thing that informs all of that for me. So all of that is great, but I think there is a deeper reality. And like you, you may not feel like you need forgiveness from God. And sometimes I don't either. Sometimes I feel like I don't need forgiveness because I think a lot of times that's normal, right? It's normal to feel like you didn't do anything that hurt anyone. I, I've been in situations where I said stuff. I had no idea that I was like, that I was offending people and I was just being who I am. And I didn't know that I was in need of any sort of relationship repair. But I think it's still like a really interesting thing to think that God has that impulse toward us, toward that relationship repair, if that's how you define it, or, um, forgiving you for not doing the good stuff with the, with God's world, right. That you're a part of that you should be doing. Um, if I, if I didn't have that, I think it'd be so hard for me to forgive some of the things that have happened in my life. I've had moments where like, I literally am reflecting and I'm like, how the frick I'm editing myself, Jeff. So you have less work afterward. How the frick do I forgive someone for doing this to me? And if I didn't really feel like God had done the same for me, it would be so much more difficult. And I think anything that makes for forgiveness easier for me is is usable and should be in. That's why I'm saying it's so individual because you say those same words and that makes it harder for me to forgive because then I can have absolution. What's the word? (laughs) Absolution. Absolution. And I can just move on. Like to me, it's it's like that that concept is. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So there's a lot of nuancing that needs to happen. Like Raj had mentioned it about grace and forgiveness being something different. You're right. If you're using God forgiving you to not set to right all the shit you've done, that that's <laughs> sorry, there I am cussing. <laughs> then that's that's an inappropriate response. That's not like a real response. But who's going to tell the, you that? The, that's what well, I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think Bible. that's the thing. Like the, deciding the, the it. B-I-B-L basic instructions <laughs> oh before. Oh, my God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is why it's communal. <laughs> the, but I, I think, Jeff, you know, and, and as I mentioned to earlier, the language is problematic here. Yes. It's it's like we we maybe should in, in the future revisit this topic but we don't get to use the word forgiveness. So you're saying we should cancel the word forgiveness? No. Oh I God. think that's exactly what you <laughs> just saying, said. I okay, think so that you're in, agreeing in, with In me. order to get past it, like it, to take the sting from, you know, like the baggage around the word forgiveness or sin is to talk about the concept without using the word itself. We can do that right now. All right, I love that idea. Okay. How would you define that F word without just using so the we're word. clear? Forgiveness is canceled for the rest of this conversation. I just want to. Let's try it. Let's try it. I agreed to that and I'm being forced into something. I I don't think. Rajiv says I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you have to use it, you have to use it, I guess. Okay. But we can try. So canceling. I think that's helpful. So canceling debts for me would be something that I would probably. I think that's still useful. I know it's an old metaphor and I know it's tired, but I feel like when, when I'm forgiven, someone has canceled a debt for from me that like that things are repaired and that yes there are things that still going forward should happen but that i don't have to like repay for my flesh or like my life or something a wrong that has been done that that debt's been forgiven okay. i'm sorry so, i keep, I keep so, but, so, no, but that's how that's how you're in that's how you define it is sure so when, I look of at, debt. so when i look at god i do believe we are born into god's world and as the ground of all being as the creator of the whole universe this does not necessarily belong to me. I don't look around and be like, I'm not a narcissist. I don't look and I see, hey, that's my piece of land. That's my house. All these people are my people. I own everything. I don't believe that way. On the other hand, I do look at everything and I'm like, this is God's world. And so I like, I am given good um, and, and even the chance to exist. And I believe that there is a pr- an appropriate response to that. And when I don't do those things, like there's an ode metaphor that's operative for me and those debts are forgiven. 
And so I don't think, Jeff, that any of that is speaking to someone who is seeking forgiveness from another person as much as it is when someone's asking forgiveness from you. So here's here's my cancellation. Right. Sorry. Debt cancellation. It's not like, oh, God has canceled my debt, so I don't have to love you. (laughs) I don't have to deal with the shit I've done to you. It's that that's not what it is. But here's my problem with all that. To me, they're just different sides of the same narcissistic coin in the sense that I can believe that I'm special center of the universe, whatever, or I can believe that I have a debt to pay. But to me, it puts the weight of the universe on every little mistake that you make. And to me, that's more like narcissistic than anything else. Like what, like the whole thing, like when I talk to people who are still in evangelical circles and they they talk about someone who's, who's gay and who's going to get married, it says, well, I can't go to that wedding because I can't support that. Like who the hell in the universe, like your approval is necessary for all that. And when I hear those, and I'm saying when I hear those words of debt and I have this debt to pay, it puts the weight of the world on my shoulders. It should for something be there. That's, and you're, no, you're going to bring out the devil in me. I'm not joking because like, you're right. I think those are small things, but look what humanity has done to our planet and look what humanity has done to itself. There are some serious, serious things that we've done as a species that we do owe a debt for to all of life that exists. Right. On but this most earth. of that's most of that's under the umbrella of the theology you're describing. Absolutely. I totally agree. I believe we should nuance the the crap out of this, but I don't think that that debt cancellation is like, I think it can be used to undo a lot of that, you know? See, I think forgiveness is something totally different. And I know I had to use the word, but the etymology of the word in English, it's gone through a couple of language steps before it gets to English, but it means to thoroughly give, to thoroughly give. Before I'm sorry, so that I think that's really interesting. So yeah. then, then my question with that is, who are you giving to? Because right. I, some people would say you're giving to someone else, but I say you're giving to yourself. And, and I think so. I mean, I think I think forgiveness. That's why I say it's conditional and communal and relational. Because if a wrong has been done, and someone comes, and, and whoever did the wrong acknowledges the wrong being done and does whatever they can to make it right, then the person to whom the wrong has been done is given the power to gift. And that that is different, though, than an unconditional sort of like freely give, giving. It's, it's, a, it's a position where somebody's empowered mm-hmm. and it is conditional. It doesn't just, it's not blanketing the world in any way, shape or form. It's, yeah, but why, while I re- that resonates with me, that is a Christian co-opting of the term. No, it's a Christian term. This is a theological term. It originates, the, the, word, the word forgive originates in Christianity, really? The way we're talking about it. So there's a concept. Yeah, it's used in a lot of cultures and a lot of religions. But speaking from a Christian perspective, the Greek word for it does talk about leaving something to the side, setting something to the side. And it is like a gift. You're giving this like the gift of not making somebody bear all of that burden or repay or whatever that is. I, I really that that I don't like any of that. <laughs> I mean, like the idea of, of, first of all, giving a gift to someone who's wronged you. And then the idea of empowering someone who's wrong to give a gift is all backwards to me. Like all of that doesn't make any sense. Does that you know what I mean? When I say that, like, it's it just seems like all. But someone has the right to not forgive, you know? Yeah. That's what all that means. All that means is, but, but to prop them up because someone. they did forgive when they did something wrong. Like to, it's, it's. I don't know, and not to say that that's. It's it's super messy. That's why I say it's like it's this super. I go back to what I said before. It's this individualistic. Like, how are you dealing with the suffering in the world that you are afflicted of? Whether it's again small or big, how do you deal with it? Because you can't change. But we keep looking at it. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jeff. No, no, please. We I've keep, interrupted everyone. <laughs> we keep looking at it as if we're the ones. Who have been harmed? You know, what about the harm that we cause? You know, what's on the other side of that spiritually? And I think, I think that, um, I think that to just drop that, um, also causes continued harm and makes people into future harmers. Right. But that, that, I would, I would take that, uh, the F word away from that. That if, if I'm the perpetrator, then my responsibility lies in a recognition and confession. And change. 
Well, yeah. I mean, ideally change. And the phrase seeking forgiveness is a misnomer. You can you can sort of seek that, but basically all you're saying is you're trying to create space in the people that were to create space for that person who you victimized in whatever way to be able to have peace with that, but not necessarily being connected with you. And to use the word empowering to someone who is asking for forgiveness is wrong because it should be depowering if we're going to like use a word like it, yes. it's it's yeah. a. It yeah. is depowering. You're yes. empowering the not the person asking for forgiveness, but the person who's been wronged. Right. right. Well, okay. So let let's let's look at this though, and 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 this is interesting because this just popped into my head. Is okay. I wronged somebody. I, Jeff, I wronged you. Yes, you did. Like I, you know, <laughs> like, like I do every episode. <laughs> um, and and then you know i i recognize my my wrongdoing so i come to you and and i acknowledge it i admit it um you know i confess it and then leave it at that and then and then walk away so i do that now if i then say jeff please f word me <laughs> i think you shouldn't say that <laughs> <laughs> please please forgive me do you really want me to f word you (laughs) but then it's like there's another like once again i am thrusting something i need or want (laughs) onto you (laughs) right oh my god i mean it yes seriously in a way it's not really about what i've done wrong and claiming my own ownership it's then again asking something of you I think anyone in a serious relationship like has probably felt that before at yeah. different points. Like someone just wants their themselves to feel better psychologically. They don't want to fix something. So then when you wrong someone, when you are the perpetrator, what is the appropriate response? I would say mm, that's a good question. You admit you're wrong and whatever that is, and then back away, leave space and expect. I, I would say expect not to be forgiven because it's not about your peace of mind. And then if, if that person chooses to work through that all you can do is leave them the space to do that that's it that's all you can do i think i think maybe the base of 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 the f word the the basis of effing someone is (laughs) you can't not use the word and then substitute it for the f word (laughs) well it's sort (laughs) anyway uh is 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 a certain amount of serenity right is knowing what you can and cannot control and all you can control is the the admission of guilt, the admission of a wrongdoing, and that you can't do anything else outside of that. And then if you want to go into a, te- a larger narrative for yourself, all you can do moving forward is to not – to be aware of how your actions affect others and try to do it less in the future. Um, and again, that's more of like an individual like if I'm doing a little bit I think 12 steps things. programs speak to that pretty well. Like the idea is not just that you just admit guilt. You do try to repair appropriately and that's figured out in community because it is messy and it is contextual and you do it to the best of your ability. What is appropriate to repair the, the harm that you've done? You can't always make amends and there has been intense harm that has been done by Christian communities in particular, putting victims and perpetrators in a room and being like, we're going to work this out and like re-traumatizing people. So you're right. That, that it is messy from that end. But I think Bonnie was onto something when she was saying there is a deeper psychological need for people who are trying to move forward after that to not become abusers again, right? Uh, if, if this is something that you're, if I heard you right, um, but th- there's, there is something, there's a journey past that. It's not just about serenity. It's about healing. And, and this is why I think the term forgiveness is really helpful, because it can be delineated from reconciliation. It is not the same thing. And and the, the repair and relationship is not just a repair and relationship between a, f- a couple of individuals. It's a repair and relationship to the whole, to the wholeness of oneself and to the whole. So, the whole I mean, as in like the whole universe? Like God it could and everything? Be. It could be the whole as in the whole universe, you know, because I think, you know, we we take our places right in in this relational webs, these relational webs that we live in. And um, we need tools. We need spiritual tools. We need psychological tools to navigate through some really, really troubled waters. And if we drop some of these tools that have been handed down to us from ancient tradition, and I think the way they've been used have been horrific. As a woman, I can speak to the way that I have seen often male pastors force forgiveness 
on on women, especially who have been who have suffered greatly and been called unchristian or unloving or unkind because they didn't work towards reconciliation after an egregious wrong had been done to them. So I am not at all advocating for that. I'm advocating for us to do the work that's required to reform some of this language so that we can use these tools, just like our forefathers and fathers have done in passing them down to us. That's all I'm saying, because I think if there's ever a time we need forgiveness, it's now in the era of Trump, in the era of this divisive world that we live in, in the era of so much wrong done, done against um, the, the, the earth. So yeah, I sorry my soapbox. <laughs> I can step off of it now, but we all get one just, this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's already canceled forgiveness. I don't think you need to say sorry right. for anything. <laughs> when you were saying That's that, true, right? right it's don't true. forgive me. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> well, when you say that, I wonder if we have already replaced forgiveness. Like when we talk about consent, when we talk about all the things that are surrounding around consent. I mean, aren't we talking about the same thing? Like leaving space for people to make their own decision. If we have power, creating a space for someone to be able to have the tools to make their own decision, like how how broad of a term consent is. I mean, that's not forgiveness though. That's like because forgiveness is dealing with the reality that we do transgress each other's boundaries all the time. That that's a human nasty human reality in us and in others that we should deal with. And there needs to be some sort of catharsis for the human ego or whatever, or our spirit, spirituality. To me, the cool the coolest thing about forgiveness is it stares evil right and sin right in the face. Like, and it calls it by name. And that's so important. We have to know what it is we need that needs forgiving. And we have to name it out loud, just like Jesus name you know, knew the demons' names. In the context of forgiving, it's like, hey, if you're – it's actually pretty intense uh, uh, accountability-wise. If you're at the altar and you're going to give your sacrifice, you're having this connection with God or whatever, and you remember something like that that needs to be repaired, leave it there and go repair it and then come back. Like there's this real big onus on kind of owning up what we've done and also – also confronting other people when they need to be confronted with things that that they're doing like that's that's a part of the process see i i i really like what you both are saying out bonnie and alan but i would say what we need to do is not lay all of this on forgiveness but we get our super glue out and we super glue a new constellation or or formalize a constellation of forgiveness accountability yeah. confession redemption restoration and and that becomes part of the the spiritual work right i feel i feel jeff over here i'm like there's so much baggage with all those those words a- absolutely that like it, absolutely yeah. but but if we're going to go you know delve into the spiritual realms which i would also say you know some of us call them the humanist or you know the fully human realms uh, I, there's a lot of synergy there, um, you know, that and, and in a way that also by having multiple concepts and constructs super glued together, that gives us uh, somewhat of a task list, a to do list, something to work on um, and work through. But I, I think we've laid way too much on the concept of forgiveness and isolation uh, that that's caused us to just be like, yeah, I'm not even doing that. I'm just going to. Fine, you did what you did. Leave me alone. I don't want to see you again. And and so we've we've kind of resorted to that more often than trying to go deeper. I don't think forgiveness is formulaic though. And I think it's used that way so much. And and I and and I think it's hard for us probably even to completely delink the formula that we have that we attribute to forgiveness. I I like the idea of constellation. That it, it is one tool and a constellation of tools and resources, spiritual resources and psychological resources to help us to move in more healthy ways. It, it, hel- it helps me to know like what the opposite is. Uh, the most powerful and moving and deeply spiritual people I've known are people who speak toward everyone. They're not they're not burning and salting the earth or someone else and saying there's no room for anyone else. They're speaking in a way that actually invites perpetrators and hateful people to change their ways, really, and provides a path 
for them. I think of like Cornell West, the way that he speaks to people. I think of um there's Bishop all there's Tutu. All, even Bernie Sanders speaks that way sometimes. And yeah, Bishop Bishop Tutu. And like there's all these people when they speak, they're like, hey, inviting people. Like there is and the problem is, especially in progressive circles, that concept kind of gets left to the wayside. Is that no, I effing hate these people. They should be deport I just saw on Facebook, we should deport all conservatives. Like that's that's our that's our standard at, at different points, and and I'm not saying I'm not saying nobody's allowed to have that. I all I said was to me one of the most powerful examples are people who do not cut out enemies, who don't cut them out forever, who actually have a vision of the world that would include those people, you know, and like calling to repentance is a real prophetic, graceful thing because it is from a position of power, and and I, I I'm not a victim in certain senses and I am a victim in other senses. So I know what it's like to be one and to not be one and to be on both sides of this. But anybody who speaks with the power of what that, what as a victim, yes, you should have power. You should be empowering people to be able to decide one way or another. And I'm not telling anyone what they have to do. I just think when people choose to lay out, this is what needs to happen in the future and even gives a path towards someone like that right there is a beautiful example of what humanity could be. Right. But I, I think we have to be highly, highly sensitive in in this framework and also acknowledge and actually include as part of whatever the the sort of highest level uh, standards are is people who have been hurt that cannot reenter relationships. Where they're just like, nope. That's never going to happen with that person or those people ever again. And that's okay. That's good. Yeah. And, and that's why I think that forgiveness is a journey, right? We have, we, we go to burn it down. We go to build it back up again. And that all of those are just the, you know, to use another biblical term, the fruit of that, the, the spirit of that moment. But there's a deeper, there's a deeper spirit. We're getting to like Carl Jung here. There's a spirit of the times and there's a spirit of the depths, right? And I think that there is something bigger and deeper. Yeah, I tend to agree with Alan on this. I think there is like a cosmological shift that happens when a heart is transformed in a way, either as forgiven or in the the act of forgiving, that I think is like it's it's really kind of beyond our understanding. I mean, I've seen it at, with people that I work with, and it's super powerful. And I, I wouldn't want to undermine or negate the, that power. No, not at all. I mean, there, there's some work that's happening in prisons right now where men who and it's almost always men that are sexual offenders, rapists and victims of sexual crime go through a training process and they're willing to come in and talk to these perpetrators and share stories in, in the hopes that there will be some change, some rehabilitation. And that's not, not, you know, the 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 individual victim of a particular perpetrator isn't in the room, but somebody who has suffered. Um, so, you know, Bonnie, what you're talking about there, there all these there there are these powerful examples of this kind of work happening. And it is incredibly powerful and transformative. But it's we can't expect everyone to be willing to go into that. Yeah. And it relates to, uh, you know, one's relationship with Christianity, and at least in the context that we're talking about it. And it is different in other faith traditions, um, as it should be. I mean, it, it's a tapestry of understanding that the human family kind of weaves together. Um, but I also just wanted to say, just just because, I don't know, it's just bothering me that uh, when we depersonalize anybody, including Trump, and and make Thank you know, you. <laughs> make Thank, I've a human to say being. This whole time. <laughs> make a human being sort of a scapegoat of evil. I just think that we're perpetuating something that we're actually trying to undo. It's it's why I think that in the in our scriptural text, the Christian's text, forgiveness is conditional. It's forgive as you have been forgiven or you know there's there's a relationship there because you know lest any of us think that we are somehow beyond the need for forgiveness, there's also that, you know, thereby the grace of God go I. Forgiveness can help us to have a, a stance of humility. Right. And, you know, going to the biblical example, since 
Bonnie and Alan are so fond of those. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm a, I'm a Christian. <laughs> this is really interesting how this has become like a, a I know. Two, two on two dynamic. <laughs> no, but I and I, I I'm saying that tug in cheek because anyway, um, there's there's parody involved, like the parable about the one guy that gets forgiven this huge debt by the king, and then he leaves, and then he beats this guy up who owes him, you know, nickels. It, it, there's parody there, right? It's not, you know, I- even in the biblical example. So, also historically um, in Christianity, one of the biggest like teachers in early Christianity was the biggest perpetrator. So I think that there is like parody and absolutely. If you're forgiven so much, you should be able to forgive other people. It's true, and there are people who need to be forgiven more than others. I'm not fully aware of that. Yeah, I've done so little wrong. <laughs> that I have it, my forgiveness is like gone. It's, Do you live in the United it's can, States? It's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's like such a bad thing to say. I apologize. And you know what? I I I know that I take the weight of the world on my shoulders. So I actually appreciate Jeff saying that earlier in the episode. Like I I did in the past. I took things that were not appropriately mine, but I still think like I think it might be appropriate at this point for all human beings to recognize that we are, and I know it's out of necessity, but we still participate in a system that is systematically destroying all life on this planet. And it's like, we, we need forgiveness as a species for that. Here's an episode idea, Christianity, colonialism, and a savior comp and the savior complex. We have lots of different episode ideas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's uh, let's close this, this out. My any favorite, you guys. You any no final idea. thoughts on uh, forgiveness? Super glue and constellation. I really like that, by the way, Raj. Mm-hmm. That idea, and I think it'd be really helpful f- for us to put more work into that. Yeah, I I say let's keep it. I would just say give it a shot. Like letting yourself be forgiven, forgiving other people. That stuff is powerful. And if if there's anything about Christianity that's worth, like, using to me, that's exactly what it is. I would say if you must use this word that we speak of <laughs> that, you know, create a, an axiom from it. Like, define for yourself what forgiveness is and so that when you hear it, you have – a, f- a frame of mind to be like, okay, this is what I, this is when I hear forgiveness, this is how I'm going to choose to define that for me moving forward into a healthy place. And anytime someone tries to define it for you, immediately cancel them and reject it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe joking. share that axiom with us. Send I really him, like send that. Send them to Australia. Right, exactly. But seriously, I think that, I think yeah. that having, having an axiom for the word forgiveness for yourself is important because only you are going to know how you, how you process wrong done to you. And I think that that's, that's an important thing. I feel good. <laughs> I know you needed to know that, but. <laughs> is this, has this conversation absolved you of any wrongdoing, Alan? Oh, man. No, it's just like, it's giving me so many ideas. So yeah. I, I appreciate it. This is the stuff I actually care about. I know I keep saying stuff like that, but ultimately, deeply, this is the part of my spirituality that matters the most to me. Like when I sit down and someone asked me, well, what's the gospel or whatever? It's just like, I feel like I don't have to hate my enemies because of, because of God. That's what the gospel is to me. And I know that there are like other things to it, but that's, that's the crux. It, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this is, if Christianity isn't worth anything anymore, then I say, yeah, let's just drop it like a hot potato. But <laughs> these, some of these concepts are, are, I think really important in our world. So I'm with you. But, you know, if you mash anything enough, add butter. Like potato. I know. Hey, salt, it's going to be okay. You, you don't like potatoes. You like butter and salt. That's what I'm going to start telling everyone. <laughs> right. Seriously. Cream. Just put butter and salt on your forgiveness then. Right. <laughs> the rest of us can <laughs> Ma- figure out how. I'm not sure I understand actually. that, but. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know what you think. Uh, add your voice to this particular conversation. You can show, comment in the, on the show notes at irenacast.com slash 148. Also on the show notes, you'll find relevant links and a complete list of all the other ways you can like, follow, and contact the show. That's irenacast.com slash 148. So on the other music, or on the other music, on the other side of the music, we'll do, we're going to be doing staff picks. We're just going to share with you the things that we love right now, the things that are making us happy, the things that are putting us into a frame of mind to be able to forgive and be forgiven. Uh, so this will be fun. 
All right, so uh, it's been a while since we just caught up on the show, sat down, had a little chat that didn't have the weight of our theological world on our shoulders, and we're just going to share things that we love. Like, we are more than just theologians and critical thinkers and whatever. We're people. We have fun. We like we like things. So we're, so what we're going to do here is we're just going to share things right now that are bringing us joy. There's a lot of weight in the world right now. There's a lot of there's a lot of weight and transition which we're going to be talking about over the next couple of months in our own lives and the show. Like there's a lot on our plates. So hopefully in the midst of that we're taking some time and we're doing some things that we enjoy and that we want to share. We want to we want to spread the good news about the the things that we are doing that that make us happy. So uh so yes. there's a lot of amazing things in our blockbuster and people are walking around and right, now they're exactly. at the section where it's just exactly. just staff picks. And Alan, you know me, I have shaped my whole life on recommending movies for people. I am your if recommendation say, engine. If I could just say to everybody I've doubted Jeff in the past, and it's always been wrong. So if he wants to cancel stuff, maybe I should be listening <laughs> because he'll recommend a show, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, I'm a, like I'm I'm destroyed for a week and I'm reborn into something new." Happens every time. I know when Alan's bored because he'll text me and be like, <laughs> "What should I watch?" No, it's not when I'm bored. <laughs> or you're looking I don't for watch something TV like very often. So yeah. if I'm going to actually sit down and watch TV, it has to be good. So that's why I go so, to you. So the staff picks here is something more on the lighthearted side of things? It can be sure. anything. Why not, why things not? you want to oh, share. Okay. What What All do right. you think people what, – what do you want others to experience that you've experienced that's awesome? So uh, who wants to start? Alan, let's start with you. So on my staff picks, the first one is bucket chairs. I love, I love bucket chairs. You know, the kinds with the little bit higher arms that kind of like hug you in a – Half circle or a little more than that. You mean like, like the your, Papasans? Um, you'll see them at coffee shops and stuff. And but basically, they're like a, a U shape, like a horseshoe shape. And they're like you can put your arms on it, and the back is like all universal height sort of thing, or ones with like taller arms. I love bucket chairs. Vertically speaking, for the vertically challenged, we hate bucket chairs. Oh, Alan's always trying to get back into the womb. <laughs> No, <laughs> let's not psychoanalyze this, Jeff. Oh my Wait, which gosh! Because it's like my arms don't quite fit. You know, right. it's like they're up there, and I get like shoulder whatever. But it's oh, not see, your for pick. Me, it's like no, it's not my pick. I, so I, just I think stand, everyone should try it. Just standing up for short people here. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, bucket chairs are pretty high up there for me on my staff picks list. And the second thing on my staff pick is the show Fleabag. Um, we just talked about it briefly before we started recording. So just a warning to people who are sensitive. It's a deep show. There's a lot of themes in it. There's some gratuitous like sex stuff in the first like, like season or whatever. But if you can get past all that, it is a wonderful, artful show that the comedic timing and the way it's written and the way it's filmed is just next level for me. And I love it. The second season, I'm like three or four episodes in was basically a spiritual experience for me. And if you're if you're in ministry at all or you've ever been around that or anything, just do yourself a favor and watch watch that second season. So good. I'm excited cuz Rosh hasn't seen the second season yet. No, and I I I don't know, it, the, a lot of the sex stuff on on cable streaming services are gratuitous. I'm not so sure I would oh, say Oh, maybe it's gratuitous, gratuitous wasn't the right word. In, Crass. It's there, but it's it's got a point to it. Yeah, it's crass though. Yeah, but it's British, which is so. like actually part of the whole point of the show. <laughs> but yeah, right. it's, it's it's really good. It is good. I, highly recommend it. So, I feel like I'm bucket going to chairs hell now. and gratuitous sex. That's what Alan recommends. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I do recommend sex. I think it can be helpful, but I'm not a sexologist, so that's as far as I go. Sounds good, Bonnie. How about you? What's what's making you happy? Um, well, I read a really great book. I, I wouldn't say it's a happy book, but it's a it's a great novel called The Mothers by Britt Bennett. Um, especially as you know, in light of all of the the attack on on women's bodies across the country, it's really insightful. So it's called The Mothers, and read it. Let's see what else? I highly recommend knitting, learning how to knit as my second staff pick. It is such a great way to transform um, 
ah, the ickiness in the world into something really beautiful. It can be a, a, an amazing spiritual practice. It can be like a Zen experience. So um, I'm noticing lots of pe- people are picking it up and it's really fun. And it's not too early to start on Christmas gifts, homemade Christmas gifts. It's a great time, summertime, to start knitting. Especially if you have to learn how to knit first. Right, exactly. <laughs> Rajiv, how about you? Okay, so the first one, I actually have three because I thought we were doing three. Go for it. Um, the first one is a group, a musical group called Lake Street Dive. I have been, you know, they came up on one of my feeds and just love these people kind of a throwback style band the lead singer she's got an amazing voice so it's if you're into uh, i'm not sure even what genre but it's it's great look up lake street drive so two that i would recommend one they do a cover of lola amazing and and another song um good kisser great great song um, and then if you don't understand satire, don't watch this movie. But if you like satire, watch Hamlet 2. On the topic of forgiveness, there's just it's a it's a great one. But it is holy crap, super satirical. So if you're easily offended by things, don't watch the movie. But it's one of my favorites. And then another one to watch or not to watch. That is. Uh, I, yeah, question. to watch or not to question. watch. This right. is why you're not allowed you, to tell jokes, Alan. You're right. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> you, you judge for yourself. And then the other one is uh, um, this. This could be one of those things where I mentioned earlier when we introduced the segment, like where your 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 opinion of the staff chain the staff person changes by their pick. I'm running the risk of doing that here, but uh, curb your enthusiasm. Ooh. Um, and <laughs> the reason I That's love good. that show is because it reminds me of my family. Like the the kind of the Indian immigrant cousin uncle aunt network, where it's just so funny and dysfunctional and ridiculous and so on, and how they they touch um, you know as Jewish Americans they sort of touch on these universal themes of being minoritized and in these clustered tight knit communities, um, and I just love that stupid show. So good, good one. Larry David, right? Yeah, very good. Uh, for me, I know everyone, everyone was obsessed, you know, it's the end of Game of Thrones and all that kind of stuff. But I, th- I don't think a lot of people re- realize that on the same night, there was another season finale, not a series finale of a show called Barry. And it's with Bill Hader. And he plays a hitman who stumbles into an acting class taught by Henry Winkler and decides he doesn't want to be a hitman anymore. He wants to be an actor. And the whole premise of the show, at least in the first season especially, is him trying to get out of being a hitman and really wanting to embrace the actor part of him and how he can't – they just keep pulling him back in. And it is – first of all, Bill Hader, one of the best actors today right now. Like he is just killing really? it in that show. You wouldn't think so because of his – like SNL run, he had a very unique way about him, but he's killing it. And the way that this show can jump from like a completely comedic – like gross point blank kind of like hitman dark comedy into a serious drama on the turn of a hat is phenomenal. How they balance those two tones in this one show. I don't even know. And Henry Winkler performance of a lifetime. Like he's been playing a joke of himself for a long time and he starts out that way in this show, but really like, especially in the second season really came into his own and had some amazing moment. It's just, it's just so freaking good. I he, love it. He's so underrated. Henry Winkler. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's such a good show. It's at the top of my list right now in terms of shows I've been it watching. It doesn't surprise me about Bill Hader. I really like that guy. I think you would love the show. It's so cool. good. So good. Uh, so, and it, unfortunately, I mean, it's still, it's getting critical, good reviews, and I think it's going to be on for a while, but it did get lost in the shuffle with the whole Game of Thrones thing. Um, so that Didn't I recommend that. All. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, I, I don't know. That's another show. I don't know. We don't need to talk about Game of Thrones. Everyone else has already <laughs> done that. Uh, and then the, uh, other thing I want to recommend is I recently watched, uh, on Amazon, Donald Glover's new, like, short, 
film slash music video called Guava Island. It's kind of a, a, a throwback to the old, you know how like when Michael Jackson would put out the video and it would be this like half hour to an hour long movie and there'd be some stuff in there. It's really akin to that because it's basically like a long form music video. It's got a little it? bit of fairy tale in it and it's just, it's just really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rihanna's in it. She doesn't sing though. Like I was waiting for her to like sing, but she just, she just acts in it and it's, uh, you know, he uses his, his song. So, um, this is America is in it and, uh, summertime, I think summertime, is that what the song's called? Summertime. That's a good yeah. song. Uh, I, I think maybe they were written for this and then they were released before this, but it's, it's on Amazon. It's shot in four, three. So it's got that really like old feel to it. And, uh, it's really, it's good. It's, it's, it's something I need to watch a couple more times because I feel like Donald Glover is the type of filmmaker and creative that you can't like, you got to watch his stuff a few times to really pick up on everything that's going. But it was, it was definitely worth a watch. If you have like a, a about an hour, it's 45 minutes to an hour. I think it's really, it's really good. It's a throwback to something we don't see a lot anymore. Yeah, my niece loves that, and she's been. She's been begging to, us. You to need watch to watch it. it. I'm like, yeah, watch okay, it, whatever. watch it. All right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll make sure to give her credit, though. She doesn't listen to the podcast. Okay. Yes, please do. <laughs> uh, and then, speaking of podcasts, my last recommendation is a podcast that I started listening to called By the Book, uh, and it's by two women who go through and they read a self help book, and then they live that book out for two weeks and then they come on the show and they talk about it, the good and the bad. It's really interesting. And the, the two personalities, like they are hilarious and vulnerable and they have like, they have recorded conversations with their, their partners and with their friends as they go throughout the process of like living out the book. And then they discuss what was good, what was bad and how things have changed. And, uh, and then they do a follow up episode with people who listen to the first one and ask questions about what they thought and bring a little bit more light to it. Great podcast. So I highly recommend buy the book and we'll put all that stuff, all the stuff that we talked about in the show notes. So um, now I imagine someone like sitting in a bucket chair, listening to Raj's music while knitting <laughs> and listening to a podcast. Yeah. With a book the book on the table, getting the full ironicast experience. Well, based on how Rajiv described his awkwardness and sitting in a bucket chair. I'm picturing like a Mr. Bean episode where he's like <laughs> <laughs> knitting my something arm, and it ends up being like, I can't get him up. <laughs> you, you'd knit and it's the ugliest thing that's ever existed. Right. All right. Well, that will do it for us this week. Uh, Alan, how can people find what you have going on on the interwebs? I would love for you to send me a friend request on Facebook no pressure, but there's only, you know, 3,000 more spaces. <laughs> uh, that's a joke. You, like, all of you who have connected with me and messaged me and commented on stuff, I really appreciate it. So, Rev Alan O'Brien, look me up and add me. And Bonnie? Um, yeah, I started a new page on Facebook called Rev Bonnie Rambob, and I've been posting quite a bit of on there. So, I'd love to connect with you in that way. And I am on Facebook and Twitter at Rev Raj Rambob. Right. And you can follow me on all the socials at Jeff Manildi. And on the f- second and third, second and fourth Thursday of every month, you can listen to my other uh, podcast, Divine Cinema, where we discuss and oftentimes mourn the portrayal of faith in movies. As for Irenicast, don't forget to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts and many more. And while you're there, if your platform allows it, leave us a rating and or review. We're always looking for more and more ways to hear from you or recommend the show to a friend. We would also love that. Uh, you can also fill out our listener survey at irenacast.com slash survey. The information you give us there is super helpful as we move forward and continue to evolve the show. That's irenacast.com slash survey. So for this week, I'm Jeff. It's your boy, Alan. I'm Bonnie. This is Rajiv. Thanks for joining the conversation. 